Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this Sabbath day. Thank you so much for this new year that you have given to us. Thank you so much for how you have led us through the past year and for your blessings and your mercy in our lives. And Lord, as we just take this time now to come together and to study your word, as we come together and as we listen to what you have for us, I just pray that you would illumine our minds. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that as we open your word and as we read, that you would speak directly to each one of us. I ask especially for the Holy Spirit to be here, to convict us, to challenge us, to speak to our hearts and to lead us into all truth. And so, Lord, we are just surrendering our time to you. We are surrendering our hearts and our minds to you. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, as I mentioned earlier, the title of my sermon this morning, this Sabbath, is Keys to Success in, the, in This Coming New Year. You know, as the new year, new year is here, it is only natural that we would make a New Year's resolution. Right? It's normal for people, as the new year comes, to make resolutions, to want to make changes in their lives. You know, the new year is the time when people start fresh. They have a clean slate. It's an opportunity for them to start anew. That is why many people make resolutions. Perhaps you have made res resolutions for this coming year. I know I have made resolutions for this coming year. It is natural that we want to have a fresh start. We, it's natural that we want to make a change in our lives. You know, some of these resolutions include losing weight or exercising more. Perhaps it's eating better. Perhaps it's sleeping better. Perhaps it's giving more to charity. Or maybe it could even be reading more. Reading one book per month or two books per month or even more. Well, whatever is whatever it is, the resolutions that you have made for this coming year, I want to share with you some keys to success in this coming year. You know, despite what resolutions you have made, I want to share with you some key principles or some general principles from the Bible that will help you to have success in this coming year. And perhaps these keys are part of your resolution. But if not, maybe these keys will help you to achieve your resolution. Maybe these are keys that you can apply in your lives that will help you to achieve your resolutions. You know, many times when we make resolutions, we fall short. Perhaps only for the first month, we, we have it and then, and then we lose it, right? But perhaps by incorporating these keys into your lives, it can help you to achieve better success in achieving those goals, in achieving those resolutions that you have made for this year, for 2022. And so friends, these are keys that I, I found from the Bible. These are biblical principles. And so I will be sharing with you some keys that you can apply in your life as we enter into this new year. So let's go to key number one. Key number one is this. Know your purpose. Key number one, it means to know your purpose. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Notice what the Bible says. It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now this Bible verse is talking about Jeremiah. And the Bible says that before Jeremiah was born, what was he given? 
the Bible says that while he was still in the womb, he was given a purpose. Jeremiah, the, Jeremiah, while he was still in the womb, he was given a purpose. And what was his purpose? The Bible says that God ordained him, sanctified him to be a prophet unto the nations. You see, this is what we, I want you to understand. Before Jeremiah came to existence, before Jeremiah even had life, what was he given? Jeremiah was given a purpose. Jeremiah had a purpose for living. He had a purpose as to why he would come into this earth. Before Jeremiah came into existence, he was given a purpose by God. And you see friends, the same is for us. Before we were born, God had a purpose for us. Before we came into this world, God has had a purpose for each one of our lives. Before He gave us life, He already determined how He would use each and every one of us for His purpose, for His will, for His glory. You see, God doesn't create us and then decide later on what He would do with us. You know, God doesn't create man and think later on, hmm, what should I use this person for? What should I use man for? No, 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 friends. He, he has a purpose in his mind and then he creates us, he creates mankind to fill that purpose, to fulfill that purpose. He thinks of a purpose for us and then he creates us so that we can fulfill that very purpose. You see, throughout the Bible, we find many examples of people being given a purpose even before they were born. Even before they came to existence, they were already given a purpose. Let me show you a few examples. Let's go to Judges chapter 13 and verse 5. Notice this. This is talking about Samson and notice what the Bible says. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Notice here that before Samson was born, what was he given? Yes, it's the same thing that was given to Jeremiah. Samson was given a purpose. What was his purpose? His purpose was to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. That was his purpose. That was why God wanted Samson to come into this world. God had a specific purpose for Samson even before he was given life. Samson was born so that he could fulfill a specific purpose. Let me show you another example. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 13 verses 31 to 33. Notice this, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about our Savior. Now before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy given that Jesus would be born, that Mary would conceive and bear a child, and he would be the Son of God. But notice from this passage that even Jesus, before He came down to this world, before He was born as a man, He was given a purpose. The angel told Mary that she would bring forth a son named Jesus and this, this boy Jesus would carry out the plan of salvation. 
His kingdom would last forever. There would be no end. He shall rule over the house of Jacob. He shall save people from their sins. Jesus was given a purpose. Jesus, His will and His purpose was to carry out the plan of salvation. It was to save sinners, you and I, from sin. Or you see, Jesus, even before Jesus came as a man, He had a purpose. He had a purpose to fulfill. He had a specific purpose for His life. Well, you see, friends, it's not only mankind that was given a purpose. Do you know that even creation, every created thing, every living, living thing has a purpose? Let me show you. Let's go to... Let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Notice what the Bible says here. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. From this verse, we can see that God created the sun, the moon, the stars, and He gave them a purpose. What was the purpose of the sun, the moon, and the stars? It was to be a sign, right, for days and years and months. It was to so that the sun, moon, and stars could give light. You see, every created thing, every living thing has a purpose. Why did God create the flowers? Why did God create the trees? Why did God create uh, the sun, moon, and stars? Why did God create the rivers? They each have a purpose to fulfill. It's not just mankind that was given a purpose. Every living thing, every living organism has a purpose to fulfill as well. I want you to notice what Ellen White writes in the book Desire of Ages, page 20, paragraph 2. Notice what she says. There is nothing save the selfish heart of man that lives unto itself. No bird that cleaves the air, no animal that moves upon the ground, but ministers to some other life. There is no leaf of the forest or lowly blade of grass, but has its ministry. Every tree and shrub and leaf pours forth that element of life which neither man nor animal could live. And man and animal in turn minister to the life of tree and shrub and leaf. The flowers breathe fragrance and unfold their beauty in blessing to the world. The sun sheds its light to gladden a thousand worlds. The ocean, itself the source of all springs and fountains, receives the streams from every land, but takes to give. The mists ascending from its bosom fall in showers to water the earth, that it may bring forth and bud. Friends, what I want you to understand from this passage is that Ellen White is telling us that every single thing that was created by God has a purpose. Every living thing has its purpose and its ministry. Every single blade of grass has its purpose to fulfill. Every living thing was given a specific role or ministry to fulfill. And friends, if God has given the, the living things, the living organisms, purposes for their lives. What more can we say about mankind? Friends, today, God has given each one of us a purpose to fulfill. God has given you and I a specific role to fulfill in our lives. God has given us a distinct work to complete in this life. Notice what else Ellen White says in the book Christian Service, page 9, paragraph 3. He says, a distinct work is assigned to every Christian. 
You see, Ellen White is saying here that each one of us, we have a distinct work. We each have a purpose in our lives. We each have a different and specific ministry or role to fulfill. But here is the sad thing. You know, there are many people out there today that are living but have no purpose. They are living but do not understand what their role is in this life. They do not understand why they are here on earth. And so while they are living, they are without purpose. While they are living, they are directionless and they are lost. But you see, today, God has given us a purpose and we need to know what that purpose is. We need to know why God has put us on this earth. And if we have a purpose, it makes all the difference in our lives. If we have no purpose, then we are lost. If we have no purpose, we have no direction to follow. If we have no purpose, we lose the meaning of life. But notice what else Ellen White says in regards to our purpose. Manuscript manuscript releases, volume 14, 205 paragraph 4. She says, she says that each to each human being, God has assigned an individuality and a distinct work. I'm going to read that again. To each human being, God has assigned an individuality and a distinct work. So Ellen White here is saying that each one of us, not only do we have a distinct work, we each have an individuality. Now when you look at the word individuality, what comes to your mind? What is Ellen White trying to say about human beings? Yes, she's trying to say that each person is different. You and I are not the same. You and another person are not the same. We each have our own individuality and our own distinct work. So here is the thing. My purpose may not be the same as yours. Your purpose may not be the same as others. We each were given different purposes, different roles, different ministries, different works to fulfill. Yes, there is a general purpose for us to fulfill. You know, God created us to reflect His image. God created us for His glory. God created us to bring light to this world of darkness. But as a person, as each individual, God has assigned a specific purpose for us. And that purpose is different. So you see, friends, we should never try to strive to be someone else. We should never try to strive to be just like the other person because in fact, you know, in, in reality, all of us are different. We have a different work. We have a different purpose. And so we have to understand and we have to recognize what that purpose is. We have to realize why is it that God has put us on this earth? Why is it that God has brought me to life? What is the purpose of my existence? And friends, once we know that, then our life has meaning. Then our life has purpose. Then we know why we are living, what we are living for. We know what we should do and we know the direction in which we should go. And so friends, step number one is to know your purpose. Know why you are living. Know why God has brought you into this earth. Know why God has brought you into existence. Know your purpose. That is step number one. If we have a purpose, we are no longer lost or confused, but we will know what we are living for. So that's step number one, knowing your purpose. In this coming year, know your purpose, friends. Know the specific purpose that God has for your life. Let's go to step number two. 
Step number two, or I can say key number two, is to have a schedule. Yes, having a schedule. Now, when you look at the days of creation, you can see here that on each day, God created something different. Right? Day one, God created light. Day two, God created the sea and the skies. Day three, God created dry land. Day four, God created the sun, moon, and the stars. Day five, God created the birds and the fishes. Day six, God created the land animals and man. And on day seven, God rested and He blessed the Sabbath day. Now, when you look at the days of creation here, what do you see? What does it look like? Look at this, look at this table. Day one, light. Day two, sea and skies. Day three, dry land. Friends, what does it look like? Yes, it looks like a schedule. You see, on each day, God had something different to do. And this is none other than a weekly schedule. Day one until day seven. You see, what I want you to see and understand here is that when, when we look at creation, God worked by His schedule. God had a schedule and He used it to carry out the work of creation. God created something different every day and He knew what He was going to create on that very day. You see, God did not create everything on one day. Even though He could, God did not create every single thing on one day, nor did He have one day where He didn't do anything. Okay, except on the Sabbath where God rested, right? He, he blessed the Sabbath and He rested. But other than that, there was not a day that God was idle. There was not a day that God was doing nothing and He was like, you know, what am I going to do today? No, He knew exactly what He was going to do on those very days. He had it planned out. He had a schedule and He worked by that schedule. You see, here's the thing. Could God create everything in one day? Yes, He could. He could if He wanted to. He was God. All He had to do was say the words and you know everything would come to life. But He didn't. Why? God did not do that because He was setting an example for us. You see, through creation, God is teaching us the importance of having a schedule for our lives, of having a schedule for our day-to-day -day lives. Why? Why is it important for us to have a schedule? You see, having a schedule protects us from two things. Firstly, it protects us from idleness. You see, if you do not have a schedule, if we do not have a schedule, we won't know what to do, right? We, we don't have any plans, so we don't know what we want to do for the day, and we will end up doing nothing. We'll end up being idle. And when we are idle, that is when the devil can come and he will attack us and tempt us. And because we are idle, we're not doing anything, we'll fall into sin and temptation. You know, there's a saying that, that goes like this, an idle mind is the devil's playground. And friends, that is true. When we are not doing anything, we're just sitting down and, you know, just wondering and just not doing anything, that's when the devil can come and attack us. So having a schedule helps us to know what we should do, helps us to be busy or to be occupied, and so that we will not be idle, we will not be doing nothing. But secondly, having a schedule also protects us from being burnt out. Okay, so you see that having a schedule helps us to create the balance. Okay, we, we don't overwork, but at the same time, we don't do nothing. So we have a healthy balance of working and knowing when to stop. Now, when we talk about being burnt out, this is more for people who love to over, overwork, okay? Or we, we call them workaholics, right? Maybe you are one of them, you just like to work and work and work and work, okay? But if you have a schedule, 
what happens is that you can distribute your work properly and you will know when to stop for the day. You see, there are people today that glory in overworking. Some people take pride in the fact that they work long hours and they do more than others and they do more than they need to do in a day. But when you look at creation, you will see that God did not overwork. Day one, God wanted to create light. And as soon as God was done with creating light, the Bible says that was the first day. God stopped. God rested. He stopped as soon as His work for the day was done. So you see, from God's example, it also teaches us that we should not overwork. When we have a schedule and, and we know what we want to do for the day, and once we have done, once we have completed the, the, the work for the day, we should rest. We should stop. Do not overwork. Do not glory in overworking. There is no virtue in overworking. You see, God knew when to stop. He knew exactly what He wanted to do in that day, and as soon as it was done, God stopped, and that was the end of the day. You see, this is where having a schedule helps us to pace ourselves so that we won't do too much, so that we will not be burnt out, so that we will not exhaust ourselves. You see, when we have a proper schedule, we know exactly what needs to be done for the day, and we can stop and rest when it is done. So friends, that is key number two, having a schedule. God works by a schedule. God sees the importance of having a schedule, especially for us. And it is so important for us to know exactly what to do for that day and to know when to stop, to know when to rest for that day. So that is key number two, having a schedule. Key number one, knowing your purpose. Key number two, have a schedule for your day-to-day lives. Let's go to key number three. Key number three is do not procrastinate. Now, this is one I think that most of us struggle with. You see, even though we have a schedule, even though we know what we have to do for the day, there is a tendency for us to procrastinate. And I know that this is something most of us struggle with. I know that I struggle with it sometimes. We tend to procrastinate. We tend to push things later. We tend to say, I have time, I'll do it later. But you see, once again, when we look at creation, God did not procrastinate. God finished what needed to be done on that day and stopped only when it was done. God did not say, you know, um, I'm supposed to create light today, but maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I have time tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll create light and then I'll create the sea and the skies. No friends, God did not do that. Day one, God created light and He did. He finished, He stopped, and then He was done. Day two, he completed his work. Day three, he completed his work. He did not push his work for later. He did not say, I'll do it later. What needed to be done in that day, he finished. He finished his work for that day. So key number three is do not procrastinate. Friends, what are the dangers of procrastinating? Why is procrastinating so dangerous for us? Well, I want to show you an example from the Bible about the danger of procrastinating. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 to 16. Notice what the Bible says. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. 
And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his head, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Now this is the story of the angels rescuing Lot from the city of Sodom. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah was, were just about to be destroyed, and the angels came to rescue Lot and his family. But in verse 16, the Bible says that Lot lingered or he delayed. And the angels had to literally drag Lot and his family out of Sodom. Now you could say that in this moment, Lot was procrastinating. Yes, he was. You see, Lot was given a direction, an instruction, or a work to do, which was what? To leave Sodom because Sodom was about to be destroyed. But knowing what he needed to do, and knowing that he needed to do, do it quickly, Lot lingered. Lot delayed. Lot procrastinated. He felt like he could do it later. He felt like he had time later on. He felt like he, he had time to do it later. But now I want you to notice what Ellen White tells us about Lot's actions. What are the causes or what are the negative, negative effects of his lingering or his procrastinating? Notice what she says in Patriarchs and Prophets 161 paragraph 2. Ellen White says this, If Lot himself had manifested no hesitancy to obey the angel's warning, but had earnestly fled toward the mountains without one word of pleading or remonstrance, his wife also would have made her escape. The influence of his, of his example would have saved her from the sin that sealed her doom. But his hesitancy and delay caused her to lightly regard the divine warning. While her body was upon the plain, her heart clung to Sodom, and she perished with it. She rebelled against God because His judgments involved her possessions and her children in the ruin. Although so greatly favored in being called out from the wicked city, she felt she was severely dealt with because the wealth that it had taken years to accumulate must be left to destruction. Instead of thankfully accepting the deliverance, she presumptuously looked back to desire the life of those who had rejected the divine warning. You see, Ellen White tells us that Lot because Lot lingered, it caused his wife to be lost. It caused his wife to be turned into a pillar of salt. You see, Lot failed to realize the shortness of time. Lot failed to realize that the judgments of God were at the door, that he had no time left, that time was up. And Lot lingered because he he thought, he thought that there was time, but he did not realize that there was no time left. You see, and this is the principle that I want you to understand. When I procrastinate, when you procrastinate, when we procrastinate and we push things for later, we are assuming that we have a lot of time left. When we say, I'll do it tomorrow, we are assuming that we will be alive tomorrow. And friends, let me tell you that that is pride. We are assuming that tomorrow we will be alive when tomorrow is not promised. What if today was your last day on earth? What if today is the only day that you have to complete the work that God has set for you for that day? What if today was the last day? And what if you push it tomorrow and tomorrow never comes? Friends, do you see the danger of procrastinating? When we procrastinate, we are assuming that life will be given to us, that tomorrow is promised, that we will live another day, that we still have so much time, when in fact, we do not know that. 
we are not assured of that. We are not given that promise. You see, friends, the work that God has assigned for us to do for the day, we should strive to finish it and not push it for later. Now, of course, there is a healthy balance to this, right? We must not overwork, as I said, and we must not, you know, cause our health and our body to be pushed to the limits just so that we can finish the work. But we must not procrastinate thinking that we have a lot of time, thinking that we have time or we have tomorrow that is not assured of us. But what is interesting is that Lot's wife did not escape because of his delay. And here's what I want us to understand as well. You see, when we procrastinate, not only does it affect us, but it may affect those around us as well. When people see us procrastinating or delaying, there is a tendency for them to do the same as well. When they see us delaying or lingering, when they see that we are just, you know, we're not living for the day, that we think that we have so much time, they will think the same. It will cause them to delay, cause them to procrastinate, cause them to think also that they have a lot of time when in fact they have no time left. So friends, procrastinating is dangerous because we are assuming something that, that is not promised to us. We're assuming that we have life and time when really that is not promised to us. And our example can cause others to procrastinate as well. So friends, key number three, is to not procrastinate because we do not have the control of time and tomorrow is not promised. So key number one, know your purpose. Key number two, have a schedule. And key number three, do not procrastinate. Do the work that you need to do for the day. Finish that work before you rest and before you stop. Let's go to key number four. Key number four is to be on time. And friends, this is another one that we struggle with. We really struggle with being on time. And I find that especially as Asians, especially as, you know, here in Malaysia, this is something that we struggle with a lot, being on time. And for some of us, being late has become so normal and we seem to not care about the fact that we are late. You know, to some of us, being late seems insignificant. What does it matter if I'm a few minutes late? What does it matter if I am late to a meeting or to church or to whatever it is? What is the effects of it? Why is it so important that I'm on time? But let me ask you this question. Is God on time? Is being on time important to God? Is being late a significant thing to God? Does it matter to God when we are late? Well, let me show you some examples from the Bible about God in relation to time. Let's go to the first one. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 21. Notice this. The Bible says, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Now this is God speaking to Abraham, and God gave Abraham the promise that he would still bear a son, that the promised seed would still be Isaac, that his wife Sarah would bear Isaac. But notice that God gave this promise with a specific time. The Bible says that God gave the promise in the set time in the next year. So God said that, that at the very specific time in the coming year, I will fulfill this promise. Okay, so God gave him a promise and gave him a specific time when he would fulfill that promise. Now notice Genesis 21 verses 1 and 2. Bible says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah 
as he had spoken. Verse 2, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. See, the Bible tells us that God fulfilled His promise at the very exact time that He promised Isaac, that He promised Abraham. Sarah gave birth to Isaac at the set time which God had spoken to, spoken of to Abraham. In other words, God was on time. God was not a few minutes late. God did not have to tell Abraham to wait a while because He was on the way. You know, that's something we always say: "I'm on the way. I'm on the way." You know, thinking that so that we can let the people know that, you know, make them feel better about us being late. We see, God was on time. God was not a few minutes late. God was not on the way, but He was there. He fulfilled the promise at the very exact time. You see, friends, God is early. In fact, God is on time. Let's go to one more. Let's go to Mark chapter 1, 14 to 15. Bible says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Notice here that Jesus said, The time is fulfilled. Now what time was he referring to? And Jesus was referring to the time when the plan of salvation was to be carried out. He was referring to the time when he would start to save sinners from their sins. You see, Jesus came to this world at the right time. Jesus began His ministry at the right time. Jesus was not late. Jesus was on time. Notice also what the Bible says in Galatians 4 verse 4. It says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of, made of a woman, made under the law. You see, when the fullness of time was come, God sent Jesus Christ into this world to save us from our sins. God sent Jesus at the right time. God was not late. God was not too early. God was right on time in sending Jesus and in carrying out the plan of salvation. God was on time. You see, friends, what I want you to understand is that being on time is important to God. It is not a small matter. It is not insignificant. Being on time matters a lot to God. Let me ask you this question. If God was on earth today, and if God were to attend your church service, or your prayer meeting, or whatever church program you have, would God be late? Would God, you know, if you have church at 10, would God come at 10-ish? Would He come at 10.20? 10.30? What about prayer meeting? If you have prayer meeting at 8.30, would God come at 8.40, 8.45? Would God come late? Would He be a few minutes late? Would He call you and say that I'm on my way, I'm going to be late? No, friends. God will not be late. God will be on time because to God, being on time is important. And guess what? Being, import being on time is important to us as well. God wants us to see the significance of that. God wants us to know and to, to really understand that being on time matters a lot to Him. God was on time and God wants us to be on time as well. You see friends, God will not be late. To God, being on time is important. To us, God wants us to know and to practice, the, practice this application that being on time is important. God wants us to be on time. 
You see, friends, this is something that we must really be disciplined about. But first of all, we must change our mindsets. Many of us think it's okay to be late. Many of us, in fact, glory in the fact that we're late. Perhaps you say that, you know, I'm so busy, it's okay for me to be late. I have a lot of things to do, it's okay for me to be late. People understand, I'm always late. People always say that, you know, oh, this person will come late. It's normal. It's fine, that's what people know me for. But friends, we must change our mindsets. Being late is not okay. Being late is not okay to God. God wants us to be on time. Yes, to God, even the smallest matters, you know, are important to Him. And today, we must take that into consideration. So if we want to achieve success in this coming year, if you want to be able to hit your goals and to achieve your resolutions, being on time is very important. And not just only in the spiritual, but also in the physical. And in every single aspect of life, strive to be on time. Strive to be early. Manage your schedule. This is where having a schedule comes in handy. Because when you have a schedule and you know exactly what times you are going to do that, that specific work, you can arrange your time, you can manage your time, and you can be on time, friends. Friends, let me tell you that being on time is important. And I hope that this is something that we will apply so we can be on time because Jesus, because God is always on time. So that is key number four. Key number one, know your purpose. Key number two, have a schedule. Key number three, do not procrastinate. Key number four, be on time. Now let's go to the last key. Key number five, and perhaps this is the most important one. Key number five is to fully rely on Christ. You see friends, we must understand this very important fact. It is only as we rely fully on Christ as we depend fully upon Him, that we can achieve all the principles or all the keys or the resolutions that you have set for this coming year. It's only as we fully rely on Christ and His strength and His grace that we can achieve success. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 5. It says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You see, the Bible says that only as we abide in Christ, that we can bear much fruit. In other words, it's only as we abide in Christ that we can have success. It's only that as we abide in Christ that we can fulfill all the keys and the principles talked about in this message. And also you can achieve your goals and have true success in this coming year. Without Christ, we can do nothing. It's only as we abide in Him that we can bear forth much fruit. You see, all our best efforts, all no matter what we do, will amount to nothing. It will be in vain if we do not have Christ. And so friends, you must understand that only Christ can help you. Only Christ can give you true success. And you must abide in Him. We must fully abide in Christ and we must ask for His grace and ask Him to help us to achieve success. We must realize our weaknesses and we must ask God to give us His strength. It's only as we fully rely on Christ that we can have success in this coming year. So just to recap the points that we have talked about. Key number one, know your purpose. 
knowing your purpose for as to why you are alive in this world. Key number two, have a schedule. Know what you are going to do in that day. And know when to stop when the work is done so that you will not overwork and you will not be idle. Key number three, don't procrastinate. Remember, time and life is not promised to you and to me. And so the work that we have for today, we have to finish it, we have to complete it, and not push it off for later. Key number four, be on time. Because God is on time. God is not late, and He expects us to be on time as well. So do not glory or, or think that being late is okay, but let us practice being punctual. And lastly, key number five, fully rely on Christ. Rely fully on Him knowing that we can do nothing without Him and only the grace of Christ can give us true success. Friends, in closing, I want to share with you one last quote from the writings of Ellen White. And I want you to notice what she says. This can be found in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, 560, Paragraph 1. She writes, A new year has dawned upon us. What have you determined to do? What have you resolved shall be the record borne born up to God by the ministering angels of your work from day to day? What words that you have uttered will appear in the page of the book of records? What thoughts will the searcher of hearts find cherished by you? He is a discerner of the thoughts of the intents and the purpose and purposes of the heart. You have a fearful record of the past year, which is laid upon to the view of the majesty of heaven and the myriads of pure sinless angels. Your thoughts and acts, your desperate and unsanctified feelings may have been concealed from mortals, but remember, the most trivial acts of your life are open to the view of God. You have a spotted record in heaven. The sins you have committed are all registered there. Friends, as we come into this new year, let us determine to do our best for God. You know, as you reflect on your pastor, perhaps you see that there are resolutions that you failed to complete. Perhaps there are changes in your life that you knew you needed to make, but you did not make them. Perhaps there are struggles in your past year that you still struggle with. And friends, as you come into the new year, God expects us to come up higher. God expects us to be transformed and to live a new life. God expects us to have a fresh start and to live a new life. But remember, it's only as we rely fully upon Christ that we can have success. Only Christ can help us. He can give us the grace and the strength that we need to find success in this new year. And friends, let us realize that as time goes on and as we go through new year after new year, that Jesus is coming soon and we must not delay. Jesus is coming soon and today He is expecting us to come up higher in our preparation for heaven. And so friends, as we close here, let us ask God to daily help us to reach the standard that He has set for our lives. And I pray and I hope that we will all strive for success in this coming year, not for self-pride, not for self-glory, but so that we can live for God, so that we can be prepared for heaven, and so that we can become more and more like Jesus on a daily basis so we can give glory to God and we can reflect His image in our lives. Friends, is that your decision? If that is so, then let us pray as we surrender or re-surrender our lives to God in this coming year. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You so much 
once again for this new year. And Lord, as we come into this new year, we know that you are expecting us to come up higher. Lord, as we reflect on our past life, we know that there are many things that we need to change, many areas in which we must come up higher. And Lord, we want to make that change in this coming year. We want to have success. We want to be able to reach the goals, the standard that you have set for us. But Lord, we know that we are weak. We are sinful, mortal human beings, and there is nothing that we can do without you. And so, that we, and so we are asking that you would help us to rely fully upon you. Help us to abide in you. And I pray that you would help us to bear forth much fruit. Help us to have success. Help us to come up higher. Help us to live for you in this coming year. And most of all, help us to prepare ourselves for heaven. Help us daily to become more and more like Jesus. And so, Lord, I want to pray for my friends here. You know, the, you know their hearts, you know their desires, you know the resolutions they, they have set. You know their struggles as well. Help each one of them. Give them grace to overcome. Give them strength for their weaknesses. And may you help each one of us to find success, true lasting success in this coming year. Lord, we want to thank you so much once again for hearing and answering our prayers. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.